Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. You know, cryptocurrency has got to be the most drama-ridden, the most nonsensical, the most crazy scenario. I can't think of another scenario that's worse than cryptocurrency. And I, I struggle this, man. I was reading up and you don't know what I'm talking about yet. Trust me. That's the preface. My name is Leister. I'm your host. If you're new, welcome. If you're not new, welcome back. I am, I'm reflecting, I'm thinking, I'm trying to process all this that I've read and I'm going to talk about some of it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's so bad. It's not worth spending significant time on this business. I'll breeze through it. There's just a couple of points. First, I'm going to dig into this business of SHIB, Shibarium, and something that happened in Telescam that may affect some of you. I'm going to hit that top. Let's dig some numbers. But before I get down the weeds, I want to preface, I don't have a stake in some of what I'm talking about, and I do have a stake in some of what I'm talking about. And I will do my best to disclose where I do have a stake in it because I don't want you to think that I have a conflict. I'm not directly involved to that degree. But, you know, if you have a big bag or some large stake, you're impacted by news and rumors and innuendo. Where that applies, I will call it out. Just in fair disclosure, some of it I do and some of it I do not. Let's look at some numbers here. Coindesk.com, and I hit Ethereum starting and zoom out to the month chart. And as I said on the last episode here at CryptoTalkRadio.net, everything that pump that we had up to near $1,800 is gone. We're back down to $1,647 and dropping. Currently $1,613, a low of $1,609. So what does this mean? It doesn't mean we're toast, but... I did say that it didn't feel like this was pump was going to last. And some of the news and rumors were causing a little bit of a run up that would not sustain. It was not going to sustain. There was no way it could. There's just too much going on. Some of this got even worse. And that's what I was going to talk about today and why I was struggling with some of this because it's so bad and I am just struggling. If you didn't know the poof hair, AKA Sam Bankman free trial is ongoing And they're getting more information, getting a lot of data and details about what's happening here. And they're learning a lot more. Most of it is just blasting his lifestyle. You know, he had all sorts of, you know, luxury jets and his Bahamas business where he was having like a shag pad out there. Uh, Caroline Ellison from Alameda. Apparently he had workers who were getting free massages. I don't know if they were happy getting massages, but massages meals. Amazon does not deliver there. So he was having private jets fly people's packages out there on a private jet. People, I don't know of anybody else that does that, but you know, you know, whatever, if you got the money, go with it. And I want to stress here, you know, it's not unexpected. These are young people. These are really young people. And when you get into a level of wealth at this age, this is the kind of stuff that can happen, which is why People always say, you know, the younger you are, the more risky the business happens to be. And people like Zuckerberg, that idiot, he got lucky. You know, he was, he was at a time uh, largely ahead of what we would end up with, with things like Twitter and 
Instagram and all that. So he didn't have a chance to be negatively influenced, but he lived the whole college frat bro lifestyle at one point. So it age does correlate to this. On the other side of the spectrum, though, if you're a certain level of old, you can't relate to those who are younger. You're not inclined to hire those that are younger. There's a bias against those that are younger. So nobody wins. And with this one, I, I wasn't surprised at what I heard. I was just disappointed. Some of the stuff is just a joke to me. So Ethereum took the hit. Bitcoin took a little bit of a hit. Bitcoin came out, weathered the storm a little bit better. It's currently hovering around 27.4. It didn't crap anywhere near as much Ethereum did. And on the upside, Bitcoin's has positive momentum and positive expectations. There was some analysis done that said that if Bitcoin had the market cap of gold, and of course that's unrealistic, but let's say that it did, Bitcoin would be well over the six figures in the $600,000 per Bitcoin mark. That's a lot of freaking money and a lot of growth that we're never going to see in our lifetimes. But what it does tell us is that there's an opportunity for Bitcoin to recover from some of the disruption that it's been subject to so far. There's a lot of accumulation on the Bitcoin side. People are buying it. People are stacking it because they think what I think, which is that 2024, Bitcoin's going to go on a run. So I, I say this all together because what happens right now with Sam Bateman freed and that whole trial has, it has a potential of creating a bullish sentiment and Gary Gensler losing his case, taking yet another L has a potential for bullish sentiment and stacking means that people think, you know, rich people think this is going to go on a run. So there could be some good coming out of this business. Let's talk about some of this then news that may cause some bearish sentiment. The SEC recently sued Elon Musk. And this was around the acquisition of Twitter and some of his announcements talking about using Dogecoin as a form of currency on Twitter after he took it over and wanted to rebrand it to X. Essentially, though, the lawsuit has to do with securities fraud and it's around the purchase itself. So what was happening is that Elon Musk was buying stock in Twitter, right? He borrowed money in order to buy this company. He borrowed money from rich people to make this work. And the SEC thinks that there might have been securities fraud around the purchase of the Twitter shares during this process. Now, they were trying to get some data. They were trying to collect some information to understand what really happened. And they came back and said, we were being impeded by our investigation during the process where he was trying to get this these shares and this money built up and make this purchase so he could buy this company. He was blocking SEC's investigation all the time. Elon Musk came back and said, that's crap. We didn't do all that. And why are you really scrutinizing the purchase? It's already been cleared multiple times. It's been cleared on the review. It was cleared for purchase. Everything was all on the up and up. And it was public. It's not like we did it on the private. <laughs> Quote, why is the SEC looking at my purchase of Twitter X? Every day is something different. One week it's the Biden administration. Another week it's the SEC. And another week it's someone else. I'm literally just trying to protect free speech, build electric cars, and put humans on Mars. Why don't they like me? <laughs> So this, I think Elon's response created a bit of a bullish sentiment, but the SEC yet again going after somebody else did a little bit of bear and caused a little bit of harm. So there's a lot of changes, I think, in SEC strategy. They're now going after low-hanging fruit. They realize that with the, the ripple loss that they took, they're not going to be able to go after those big dogs that they thought they could for the unregistered security, so all they can really do is threaten and risk possibly losing in stellar fashion or go after these low-hanging fruit big deals. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some announcement that they're going after Vince McMahon for what he was doing when he was dumping a bunch of shares after he did the sell of the WWE. Wouldn't surprise me. Shib. Let's talk about Shib ever briefly, and then I'm going to spin back over to a couple of bits of news. So there's a couple of points that happened recently. First of all, and I read this on social media, so I cannot verify it, but allegedly... This, the SHIB official account on, or it might have been, I think it's a SHIB, official account on Telescam got hacked. And the hackers were announcing that there was a bone airdrop. And my public service announcement to everybody is that the SHIB ecosystem would never do an airdrop. So you should treat this skeptically. It is not legitimate, according to what I'm told, because they would never do an airdrop. And they were hacked, is what I'm told. So I would recommend you distrust any sort of mention of an airdrop coming from the SHIB ecosystem. I don't know enough about how it's possible that the SHIB official account would get hacked on Telescam, given how long it's been around. Allegedly, this is one of their administrators, so it might have been somebody new. I don't know because I don't go to Telescam. But allegedly, this person got breached, and they were announcing to people, in good, presumably in good faith, but not really, that there were airdrops, and I'm telling you that this is not legitimate, so please be careful with this. So that's number one. Now, the other part of this is that most of the breaches of SHIB and Bone and to a lesser degree Leash are coming around people getting scammed in some way. They're getting scammed and this takes the form of what I just described, but it also takes the form of fraudulent NFTs. The fraudulent NFTs, would you'd only know it if you had Trust Wallet. I think Coinbase Wallet might show them, but I know Trust Wallet shows it. MetaMask shows it. And what happens is they look like they're, they're NFTs that you would do something with and there's a call to action like there's an airdrop or whatever do, 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 or give away a doot doot doot, right? And they, they just show up in your wallet and you're like, okay, this is SHIB and it's official and you click it and you do something on the call to action like go to the site which asks you to then connect your wallet or give a key or something else and then they take all your funds. So my second call to action here is if you get an NFT that you did not purchase and does not come from somebody that you're aware of, I'm telling you, be uh, be mindful. Chances are this is not legitimate. All these ones that are promoting that there's an airdrop or a $1,000 giveaway or something are not likely legitimate. A legitimate NFT is presented as some form of art. Whether that's art you care about or not, it's some form of art. You might get occasionally air, you know, art airdrop to your wallet because that is a thing. I'm saying that if it's giving a call to action of some kind to connect your wallet or do something or go to this site, it's likely not legitimate. And please be careful no matter what you do. Ledger, who presents the hardware wallet, they also have a software wallet, but presents the hardware wallet primarily, recently cut 12% of its staff. And they said that, you know what, we're having a hard time generating revenue, even given everything that's going on. And part of what I think caused this is the fact that cryptocurrency is in a lull and there's no incentive to get into cryptocurrency for a new investor. I said this before, there's nothing really enticing people to get into it. There certainly isn't a FOMO run. And when you talk about the hardware wallets, I would put Ledger at the lowest bit of the bunch. It's not a bad hardware wallet, but the CEO and all their ilk coming out and basically trashing what they were trying to do probably didn't help their case. Cause remember they were the ones talking about, changing how they were doing the keys and everything else. And they got all sorts of flack. And this is the fallout, just like that idiot, the Grubhub CEO. Sometimes these companies don't know how to keep their mouth shut. And I think that played a factor in what we saw recently with this. Now, all of that's aside, I'm going to wrap here 
And I'm going to talk about this whole Sam Bankman Freed a little bit more because this is a related news thing, but it's, it's tied to it, not tied to the trial, but just related that I, I was brought to attention the other day. So apparently now Sam Bankman Freed poof hair, he had gone on an interview run with all these different YouTube channels and, and the news. And, and he was just answering these questions. And I did an episode about this on CryptoTalkRadio.net about what I thought. And I said, this doesn't strike me as somebody who's malicious. This strikes me as an idiot. This strikes me as somebody who lost control because he's an idiot, doesn't know what he's doing. And he knows, he knows how to, he's practiced. He knows how to answer questions that way. And then he put out the medium uh, article or the Substack rather article where he's describing all this. And I'm like, yeah, this guy, he's practiced in what he's doing. Well, it turns out that he had reached out to a quote influencer on YouTube and the name's Tiffany Fong. I had never heard of this person. And apparently this, this was not a very well-known influencer, just kind of starting out largely on her looks, you know, and I, it seems like she presents herself as a journalist. So I'll refer to her under that auspice because that's how she refers to herself. But she wrote an article on, I think that was Medium. She wrote an article about how this is how I got involved with Sam Bigman Freed. And allegedly she just got contacted out of the clear blue to have a conversation and they were in DMs and talking and there was no romantic intervention to this. But it's odd. It's like, why her? What is it about her, other than her looks, truly, that caused you to go to this person? Well, it came out recently. I didn't know this part, but it came out very recently that uh, this was more than just a regular interaction, and they've been talking for a much longer time than this. So when the when the situation first came to light, apparently, after they did the DM connections and they were talking back and forth, somehow she was invited over to his parents' house when he was locked down. So when he was in house arrest, allegedly, house arrest, she was invited over there to chat with him at his place and talk about the situation. I find this really interesting because, again, there's nothing about her coverage of the past. Like, if you're going to go to somebody, why wouldn't you go to somebody like a, I don't know, Tucker Carlson or something? You know, if you're going to put it out there because you know you're high profile, you know you're at the front of the media, why would you go to somebody like a Tucker Carlson or whatever, right? Or Ben Shapiro, somebody that has that presence or, you know, or even CoffeeZilla directly because CoffeeZilla did analysis about it, but it just seems weird. So I didn't understand what is it? Cause she's, I think she's like fresh out of college. She's only in like her twenties, does not have a significant platform. And yet this high profile guy who does this major criminal deal allegedly is reaching out to an influencer that's not significantly well-known to tell what story and then why. And she emphasized multiple times, look, I know I went over there to his house and I know it was late night, but it's not an intimate relationship. But again, the, the, it's the image, it's the visual. It's like, you're a very attractive young lady. Young is the emphasis, but you're a very attractive young lady going to this guy's house late night at his house to talk and just talk. And then why just you and why not, others. So so then people connected the dots. This young lady has met with President Biden roughly around the same time. She was at the Christmas party at the White House. Okay, that's kind of sketchy because this is right around the time of all this fiasco going that started that we didn't know, but that started. And she's whining and dining at the White House party, hanging out with Joe Biden, 
proudly emphasizing that she, quote, let the president smell her hair. So Biden, of course, is already in the mix with the whole Hunter Biden situation and everything there. And this is just, it's so bizarre because you somebody is lying. And I'm not saying that there was anything nefarious, but come on, let's connect the dots here. What is she doing at a White House Christmas party? A, a, a largely not well-known influencer is at a White House Christmas party roughly around the time that this idiot is over here killing the business on FTX and killing cryptocurrency with his inactions and actions. And he's doing something up in the Bahamas with this other girl who's a CEO of this other company over here. And then the Hunter Biden thing. I'm sorry, that connection people have said, there's, this is not right. Something's off. Something's off with him. And I, it's like, what's, what is the charm? I don't know, except the money. Because she has, she's not shy of posting this uh, influencer. She's not shy about posting photos that are emphasizing what appears to be a wealthy lifestyle. Now, maybe it's not, but she's not averse to it. And again, the whole posing with the president and willingly let him sniff your hair is kind of, you know, whatever. I'm not making any accusation or allegation or statement of definitive fact. I am saying that I find it really sketchy, this, this uh, person. I don't know what the heck was going on with this. <laughs> I don't, and but I'm concerned because I still don't understand why you would go to that specific person other than somebody that's a little bit more reputable, a little bit more well-known, et cetera, to uh, communicate your message unless communicating your message was not your only motivation. And there was other motivations that you have, and maybe some stuff was not put out uh, right and clear. I don't know. I, I can't say for sure. I will say that, you know, the... The whole Caroline Ellison thing, that's a whole other fiasco. She claimed that she was not, you know, that she was interested in polyamorous relationships and that that she was thinking about this, you know, the stability of a regular relationship was no longer appealing and all this stuff I paraphrase. So now I'm wondering, okay, was she really involved in some other stuff here? I, I don't know. Can't say. But the whole, that's why I was struggling early in, in the start of the, the episode. It's like, this is the worst of cryptocurrency, but it doesn't surprise me, cryptocurrency, because that's what greed does to people. That's what greed forces you to think and do is stuff around this that you're just acting weird and bizarre. And then unfortunately, they're going to follow you, trained to follow. And with the influencer, she's out there and it seems like she's not, she's not uh, against having her stuff put out there. Okay, well, they're going to come after you too. Somebody's going to come after you because now... The perspective is that you might have been uh, knocking boots, as the kids used to say, with this idiot. And how did you, why? Why you? Why not somebody else? How to get your number? Why are you going over there late night? I'm just calling out. I think there's a little bit more smoke than is presented. I can't say for sure. I think that's a, that's a little bit sketchy. And then with the Caroline thing, that's a whole other whatever. So... <laughs> The last thing I'll just talk about real fast, and it's more like a public service announcement than anything else. So there was an announcement put out on Twitter around SHIB, and it caused a little bit of a run-up, not too much, around Chase, where Chase announced they were ready to accept cryptocurrency for mortgage payments. And I want to clarify that what they're doing is not accepting crypto payments. That's not true. The service that they're using, because by that case, I, 
accept crypto payments too. <laughs> because what's happening is there are these third-party service companies. I actually covered one of them. It's called French Connection Finance. You can find it on CryptoTalkRadio.net under the search. It's on YouTube. But French Connection Finance, and when I did the review of this company, I had very great things to say about them. I thought it was a great organization with good potential if they could pull it off. Just a terrible name. The French Connection Finance created FCF Pay. FCF Pay, the way it works is they take cryptocurrency that you send into the service and it sells it, turns it into fiat, and that's what's backed by the card. So when you swipe your card, you are not spending cryptocurrency. You're spending fiat like anything else. All it is is just a, it's an off-ramp effectively. So this connection with Chase, they're using FCF Pay in order to receive the fiat equivalent from cryptocurrency that has been sold when you transfer it. It's not that Chase is accepting cryptocurrency. It is that they are aligned with a service that can receive and convert cryptocurrency into fiat. Now, if you're curious what the value is of this, I, I'm right along with you because to do this, you still have to do KYC. You still have to identify yourself to a company that's not in the United States. There's no real value other than just selling your cryptocurrency on a centralized exchange. Now, FCF would say some don't want to go to central exchanges, and that's fair. Some simply do not. But I don't know that it's any better to go to this outlet because it's a prepaid debit card. And if you're in the United States, you may not know that the merchant, you know, the actual slide, slide your card device, the merchant can decide not to accept that type of card for certain types of payments. You may not know that. The way that merchant providers work, your card it falls into one of three categories. It's either a, or technically four, but let's say three. It's a credit card, credit slash charge card, which means that there's a line of credit somewhere that is, that's charged against, or in the case of a charge card, it's an allowance that will allow you to spend a certain amount of money. It's a debit card, which means that it is backed to a bank of some kind as a bank account. A bank is authorizing the transaction based on the account and it's coming against the account's balance. Then there's a prepaid card. The prepaid card is not allocated to an account. Basically, there's a, there's a custodianship. There's a set of money off the side and then computers just basically say, this card can spend $50 or $100 or something. There's no real verification. And most importantly, no identity verification. The merchant can choose to say, we will not accept prepaid cards because they want the identity verification component, which can only be done via a debit card. So let's take Green Dot. Green Dot, when you buy the card, you can buy it in a store. It will be accepted at certain places. Like you can do it to pump gas, you can do it to buy food. But some other places, especially online, they'll reject it. They'll refuse it until and unless you go through the registration process, which forces you to expose your identity. Then all of a sudden the card magically works because it goes to Green Dot Bank. Well, the card that's being issued to FCF and the way that the, this whole process works is prepaid. It is not a true transaction. Just that Chase is the middle. So they're taking the data from FCF, from your transactions, you send it through this merchant service. It sells your cryptocurrency, turns it into fiat and sends it to Chase and then Chase sends it and credits your payment account. 
Chase is not accepting cryptocurrency. And I want to be clear. Chase has no concept that there's cryptocurrency involved whatsoever. Another similar service is Coinbase Commerce. They have a checkout process and you send your cryptocurrency to it and it credits the bank account on the back end. PayPal is another one with PayPal USD. You can send your cryptocurrency in. It will then credit to your fiat or to a PayPal USD stablecoin. There is no, in this case, acceptance of cryptocurrency. And I want to be clear. It did cause a pump on the ship side, but I'm just clarifying that it's a little bit different in what they're doing. So FCF is providing a valuable service, certainly, and I think it's good, but it's not innovative. We're not doing anything different. And the Shibarium traffic is at an all-time low, is representative of the fact that people are not impressed. Big picture, folks. I think we got a long way to go. We, we're not innovating. We're not doing anything new. There's a lot of disruption in cryptocurrency, but I think 2024 is going to be good. I think we got really positive, positive price movement on route, and it's just a waiting game. And it's a longer waiting game than it should be because there's a lot more manipulation than there used to be. And there's a lot more disruption than there should be. And this too shall pass. I can't tell you what to do with your money specifically. I can't tell you specific projects. I can tell you that I hope we'll get to where there's more credible products coming out that I can start covering again. Because I'd like to see upstarts like at FCF come out and really change the game. And hopefully ones come out that get rid of the whole KYC at some level where it's not needed. That would be awesome. I also would like to see more inroads into gaming. I said that gaming is the killer app. It's not payments, it's gaming. And the gaming companies are not using it to their max potential. Obviously, there's Axie Infinity and other, right? I'm talking real games. I'm talking the real mainstream video game. I want to see them use cryptocurrency to get away from the DLC nonsense. Stop doing free-to-play garbage. Let's use cryptocurrency to its max potential and go somewhere. Let's start using these blockchains for something instead of them sitting there collecting dust like Shibarium is.